Welcome back, folks. This is Mark Steiner right here on The Mark Steiner Show on your source for cool jazz and more, WEAA 88.9 FM, the voice of the community. On a way to this conversation with some of our Baltimore City school teachers, I want to remind you The Mark Steiner Show is brought to you in part by MeQ, Baltimore's credit union, offering a full range of financial services. MeQ, Baltimore's credit union, has been helping its members and its community prosper for the last 80 years. When you invest in yourself, MeQ invests in you. Remember, it's a credit union, not just a bank. Belongs to you. Money comes back in the end. More information at www.mecu.com or at steinershow.org is Miku Baltimore Credit Union's banner. We hope to have a number of these conversations here in the next month uh, with school teachers uh, who are out for the summer, at least mostly out for the summer. Uh, Samantha Scalise is with us. You called in the show the other day. I did. And now she's a guest in the show. She teaches uh, government and world history at Digital Harbor High. Good to have you in the house. Good morning, or good afternoon, I should say. It's morning still, I think. <laughs> S- somewhere it's afternoon. <laughs> and Albert Phillips is in the house. He's a teacher at Southwest Char- Baltimore Charter, where he teaches fifth grade. Good to have you in the house. Thank Welcome. you for having me. And good to see you back at, at WEAA. Oh, yeah. Albert was once an intern here at WEAA. And I attended Morgan State University. That's right. Love and now, school. And now you're teaching. For sure. And you all can join us here at 410-319-8888. Write to us here at talk at steinershow.org by email. Tweet us at Mark Steiner. I'd really like to hear from you all, and uh, especially teachers who are off, especially parents and students. Talk to us about your schools, about your what you think the state of education is in this city. Um, and, you know, I one of the things we've been saying this show a lot over the last years, especially in the last year, is our school system is in crisis. And, this, and, and I'm, I'm curious, your, your, your take on where, from, from your perspective, sitting in that classroom, teaching, some of the issues have been raised in this show in the last few days about that I'm going to raise with you all, but so where do you see it? Is it are we in crisis? We are in crisis. Samantha, Samantha. This is, this is, I'm going into my ninth year teaching. Last year was my toughest year teaching. Um, Kids who I've taught in the past, kids during the school year being locked up, um, being murdered. Um, the fallout from that with their peers, um, you can see the look on their faces. It's, they feel what goes on around them, and we feel it in the classrooms. And honestly, we're not doing enough for these kids. I feel like right now we're in crisis, but we're not acting like we're in a crisis in the school system. Hmm. We're lagging behind. I think in five years... You know, we set up these these literacy components that are going to be effective. So hopefully when I see 12th graders five years from now, they're at the reading level they should be at. But what are we doing with the kids right now who are in these schools? And that's the problem. Um, CTE is a component, right? What is, that? what is CTE? So it's the tech programs. Um, if I know I can make $500 on the street a day, why am I going to go sit in a geography class? And the kids say this all the time. I want to be a barber. I want to um, do hair. I want to be a chef. So why am I not at Mervo? Well, I didn't have the entrance criteria to get into Mervo. I couldn't get into Carver. So they go to Douglas. They go to Patterson. They go to Digital, and they don't feel like that's home to them. They're not getting the skills they need to go and get a job beyond high school. And they, feel, they know. And we're not doing anything immediately about that. I have a question. Well, that's interesting. What, what's your take, Albert? You're in the you're in high school, yeah, right, Samantha, and you're teaching uh, fifth grade, fifth grade, eleven year olds, right? Yep, right. <laughs> ten, ten, eleven year, year olds. Um, yeah, we need a revolutionary change in our school system. Um, from the foods that they eat mm-hmm. to 
the instruction that they receive. Uh, I, I, and me and her were just having this conversation right before we came in here. But it seems like the school system is far behind our current reality in this country, um, especially in this city. Um, if a child is interested in learning about something, like she, she mentioned uh, owning a barbershop, becoming a barber, we should definitely be linking them to those resources. But Dead Prez said it even in 99, maybe 2000. Who said it? Dead Prez, a revolutionary rap, hip-hop Oh, oh I'm sorry, Dead Prez. You yeah, said Dead Prez. Prez. I'm sorry. Yeah, they, right, I right. mean, they said the, the schools are not teaching us how to get drugs out of our community. Right. Um, they're not teaching us how can we create and establish ownership in our communities. Um, it's just basic things that our schools are lacking, and we have to change them quickly because right now we're teaching for a test. We're teaching to um, hit a number. We're teaching to try to get more funding, but I think we need to teach to who the children are and who they want to become. So before we get to the phones here, 410-319-8888, let me explore a bit what we're saying here. So coming back to what both of you said, so Samantha, when you said we're not doing enough for our kids, what, what, what does that mean? I we're mean, not preparing them for a job for life outside of a, a, a school. We're just not preparing them. You know, great, they come in to my class at a fifth grade reading level. Maybe I can get them to a seventh grade reading level. That doesn't translate to a job. It doesn't translate to college readiness. What is that actually supposed to look like? Because what we're doing right now isn't working. So how do you do that? How would you do that? so, So we do have a crisis here where the majority of our children in the Baltimore City schools are not reading up to grade level. Am I right? Right. Right? Yep. So, and, and so people want to dump that and say, it's your fault because you right. didn't teach them exactly. right. Exactly. Right? So, <laughs> and, and so, but, so respond to that. I mean, so what would you do that's different to change that scenario, that paradigm? Yeah. Well, I don't think it's all simply on the school or even on the teacher, but this goes into the communal way that we have to, or we should live our lives. Um, a lot of students during the summer, um, especially those from low-income communities, they call it like the summer slump, yep. the summer slide. We all hear about it. Um, but essentially, they lose a bit of their learning um, that they had during the school year, during the summer, because they're not actively engaging in academics. So f- from my perspective, uh, a community should galvanize around these kids and say, look, let's create some programs. Let's try to get some funding. The city should be putting it up. Um, the state should be putting it up. It's like, how how much do you really care? Because sometimes I just don't really see it. I don't see people showing up um, at our schools enough. Mm-hmm. I don't see enough positive recognition because, from my belief, uh, students in Baltimore are some of the most brilliant students in the world. But how many people really say that? And how many times have you seen that on the news? I can hear people laughing and saying, well, how can you say that when the kids are, can't even read, can't read at the grade level? What do you mean they're brilliant? They're creative. I'm not saying, I'm just, I'm not saying no, I'm, I got you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. People say that, right? When they hear that, right? Yeah. But I, I, I just think the, the, natural, the natural ability to be innovative. So in spite of all of this that's going on, they're still creative, just like she just said. Um, they love music. I always tell, I always tell um, people that one of, the, one of the great things about children from Baltimore is that they love the Baltimore hip-hop scene. They love supporting their own. But 
I think that we need to set up um, ways for them to do that better and also ways for them to discover who they are and what they have potential to be. And I don't think uh, strict curriculum from North Avenue is going to do that. You have to teach these books. You have to give this assessment. You have to do this essay with these kids. We're professionals. We know what our kids are like. We know how to engage them. But when we are very are held very strictly to certain materials in the classroom, you're tying our hands. So what does that mean? How, how does that affect you directly in what you teach? So we were actually just talking about it in an in in English room. classroom. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, that so for example if you want me to teach some kind of literacy component how about let me teach it through d watkins books you know something that the kids are going to be engaged in and not necessarily the crucible which we were just talking about you know let us choose the materials that the kids are interested in to, to teach these components and and sometimes the way that our curriculum is set up that we're we're not allowed to do that we're just not you want to add to that yeah, um, I just I was looking at a stat earlier today, uh, and it was something to the point of um, Baltimore is like the fourth highest funded school district in the country, or something like that. Um, and I laughed because I'm like, man, like where is this money going? Right? <laughs> like where is it going when they're just starting to renovate and change schools? Like within like maybe the last ten years. Um, we have so much dilapidated infrastructure. We have uh, a lack of technology in a, in a lot of our classrooms. And I'm just wondering, like, where all of this money is going. And, and this could be a part of my ignorance and me not uh, researching this enough. But I think that the change, it, I mean, it has to start today. And I don't think that we need to always go at the top and ask them what they want to change like they need to really go into these school systems a lot more and ask these children what do you want to see differently what do you want to change you know my dad told me when he was younger he didn't know that he was poor until he went into another community outside of his own he's like man they got this they got that and it was the same thing with me when I was in elementary school I went I went to a, a shadow at the park school I mean, he had ducks walking across the lawn. Wow, and where'd stuff you, like where that. were you going to school then? I was at uh, Furman L. Templeton over Santa, right? Right, right. So, <laughs> a little bit of a change. So I went over there and I'm like, man, I'm telling all my friends, I still tell people about it today. And I'm like, man, what what if we had, no, not necessarily the ducks, but what if we had, what if we have access to as many resources right. that this school has? What, what could we create? What could our potential be? You know? I wonder these things. So, and you know, and we talk, we talk about the money going to our school system. That part of the reason the school system is in a deficit is because the money put in the budget to fix up our schools has to be paid back by the school system. So they lost that money that comes right out of the classroom to build a building when those should be separate items completely. Right. And we have buildings that are not full. With we have buildings with three three different schools who are under enrolled. How about we get rid of those three schools that are under-enrolled and turn it into another tech school? You know, make another Carver or a Mervo for kids who don't have the entrance criteria. So what, when you, I'm going to open the phone to you, but let me ask this quick question. So I can hear some parents saying, hearing what you're saying, Samantha, go, wait a minute, our black children have to go to college. So let's talk about education where it's supposed <laughs> to go. 
I mean, we does have ev- those does every child, for them. Does every child have to go to college? No. no. So how are we preparing our children to do what they need to do? I mean, we're not. <laughs> if you want to be a barber, that doesn't mean, or a beautician, or or if you want to learn how to, as I tell kids in a speech I gave to some kids a couple of years ago, as they were leaving a program about the things under the roof that they were looking out through the window, those are HVAC systems, they had no idea what they were, and how much people make fixing those exactly. HVAC systems, right? Yep. Or the elevator you came up on, mm-hmm. and how much people make to fix those elevators. Saying that to say that you, it doesn't mean you can't appreciate and study music and art and science and still be a barber and an HVAC salesperson, I mean HVAC repairman, sure. right? right? Are there contradictions there? No, I mean, I think it depends on what the child wants to do. And I think I think it also, uh, a lot of our students, they may not know about the careers in all of these ways. Just like you just mentioned, the elevator, the HVAC system, um, owning different businesses outside of sports and entertainment. Even when a, a child tells me they want to be a basketball player, I'm like, you can do that if that's what you want to do. But what about, like, owning a team? What about going into that next level? Right. Or what about going into something where – there's a higher chance of success. Um, I can't remember the stat, but it's a very low percentage of people who are going to go to the NFL and the NBA every very year. Very low. Very low. So maybe make that your backup plan and then have something else. You know, But I, I never knock their dreams because they can do whatever they want right. to do. Right. We need to be realistic, though. You know. So I'll open the phones here. 410-319-8888. We are here with Albert Phillips, who teaches the fifth grade at Southwest Baltimore Charter School, and Samantha Scalise, who is a, teaches government and world history at Digital Harbor High. 410-319-8888. Kellogg's, you're on the air. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I applaud the teachers, okay? I'm a city worker. I came out of Carver. Um, I had no idea that I was going to get into electronics or the electrical field that I do now. Um, I wish I would have kind of took to the books a little more because then I would probably be somewhere else other than where I'm working. But the thing is, the city schools are set up to fail. Okay, you talk about the money, you talk about the resources, and just look at it this way. I turned around and went with a principal. These two principals got together. They put them in a school where y'all have these schools that have problems. These two young ladies got together. They turned around in two years. They brought the reading levels from one to three grades higher. They turn around, they seen the program working, they split them up. And when they split them up, they sent them to two different schools, and the school that they were working with all of a sudden started dropping. The system, as far as I'm concerned, the school system should be gotten rid of. Get rid of all those administrators and make it a teacher system because the teachers, like y'all said, know exactly what these kids need to do, know exactly what needs to go into these classrooms and fund it and stop paying all these salaries up top with people that do not care. Morgan is going through a situation right now because why? A trade was supposed to go to them and they split it in two colleges. So it's not only on the school level for the lower kids, it's also in the upper classes as well. And I wish y'all luck. Thank you so much. Now, David Miller tweeted in um, the same quote, the same people who control the school system control the prison system and the whole social system. Dead prez. Yeah. He's on it. (laughs) David Miller's my guy. Um, I mean, so I think think it has to be two things. And I think 
um, throughout our history in this country, black people have done two things. We, one, tried to make the system do what they said they were going to do. We tried to make them live true to their promises. And then on the flip side, creating our own, establishing our own, legitimizing our own. I think it has to be a balance of those two things, and I think that they will they will always exist. Um, and that's just my take on, on, on this, on life. You know, what are you willing to do and to sacrifice? And when are we going to start giving these? I would love to have some students up here. When are we going to have, when are we going to let? You can do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. When are we going to give them the mic and let them say what they need to say? Um, and I think I think a little bit that has opened up, but we need more of it. Um, Samantha, go ahead. I like. I seen the leadership in the city council, which I'm so proud of right now. Councilman Costello, Councilman Scott, Councilman Dorsey. These guys are true leaders, and we need to see more of people like that leading our schools, to be principals in our schools, to be administrators in our schools. And I don't know why we have such a gap there. We just do administratively. We need these strong. We can't do mediocre anymore. Right, we are in a crisis. We need top people, and we need to get these people in our buildings. And do we take it from a pool of teachers? Because I know currently our administrative pool is closed to applicants. Well, if it's closed, what, that, that, what does that mean? So you can't apply to an administrative job. Like if you want to be an assistant principal right now, the pool is closed, meaning that you can't apply to those jobs because there just aren't any. There's a too many like surplus in the system. And I know a lot of younger teachers who have their admin degree, who are brilliant, who work hard, they'll want to be administrators and they can't because the pool is closed or cronyism goes on in the school system. So-and-so gets a job because they're friends with somebody else. And it's unfortunate because we need the best people in these schools. For sure. I mean, I know some people who would probably make some great administrator. We talked about Bobby. You know, put Bobby in a role. And you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we have you to put Bobby Marvin Holmes for him, producer for the Mark Steiner Show. For right? sure. That's that's my, another one of my guys. But we have to start putting people who I think are from our communities who have an invested interest in yeah. these positions of power. Let me go back to the phones. 410-319-8888. Stacey, you're on the air. Uh, hi. Good morning, Marcus Stacey. Stacey uh, from Notre Dame. I don't know if you remember me. Yes, I do. Yeah, how are you? Very well. <laughs> um, I Just to comment on some of what folks have already been saying, I kind of call this the education industrial complex. Uh, it's like you've got, like the person just said, cronyism. You've got money to be made for creating new buildings, money to be made by companies who create these tests, you know, a mindset of teaching to the test. You've got administrators who come in there. Uh, ed- uh, schools are administrator heavy high salaries that they're getting and then the other thing is you can go to college these days and major in administration and never have to actually be in the classroom right exactly right to see exactly what the students are experiencing so like you all are saying the teachers understand what the students need the administrators are in some other kind of realm where all they really want is those numbers and that is not education that's a really important thing. Stacey, we're going to get you back in the air. It's been too long. So, um, <laughs> I mean it. Uh, brilliant mind. Uh, but I think that's right. I, I think, you know, it I harkens back to a time when I was in the school system in the late 70s teaching and in a counseling program, uh, running a counseling program. And 
we then were saying, this is before charter schools, and we were trying to say, teachers need to run the schools, mm-hmm. design the curriculum. So how do you justify that to people who are holding the purse strings, saying the teacher should actually have more say in how the schools are run, in terms of what you think you can accomplish in bringing kids up to the intellectual grade levels they should be on? I feel like that's a, a maybe a union could step in because when we do voice our concerns, there are administrators who don't like it and they surplus people. They get them out of the school building. And it happens so frequently and nothing is done about it. It's really unfortunate. You have strong, really good teachers who are pushed out of schools because they raise concerns. And I'll also add that uh, students are with teachers, what, eight hours a day? Right. <laughs> we, I mean, we see them we, more than their parents sometimes. Right. <laughs> but, you know, outside of their family, we probably do know them more, you know, than a lot of other people. So, I mean, we over-test them like crazy. We do. You know, all of these standardized tests, and, and the students are, like, tired of it. And I know... Um, do they say that to you? Oh, oh absolutely. Oh, all yeah, the time. They're like, why, why am I doing this? <sighs> Especially uh, the park tests where they don't even get the results till next year. And they're <laughs> punitive. They're punished for doing bad on these tests. You don't pass your government HSA. You have to do a bridge project. You don't score a certain level on your park. You have to take extra classes on top of ones that were already, like, it already had to have via MSDE. So what would you do differently? I would let if we're talking about being college ready and career ready, how about being middle school ready? How about being high school ready? Why don't we push those tests down to third grade? Because that's when the the changing point is. That's when our kids make or break, right? Third grade is the most important grade. If you're not at the grade level you need to be at by then, what am I supposed to do when you're a senior and you have to get all these entrance or uh, graduation requirements in? They tie our hands with government. We could do so much with government if we were allowed to, but we have to teach to a test in that class. And, you know, I friends of mine, and, and also I try to do this, we try to bring in the councilmen. We try to take them on field trips. We try to expose them to things, get them wanting to vote, but it's very hard to do that when we have to teach so much content in a really small period of time with kids who are functioning below grade level. You know, the test is written at an 8th, ninth grade level. Our kids are reading at a 5th, 4th grade level. How are they supposed to pass a content test if they are not where they need to be literacy-wise? I think we I think we need teacher-created assessments, and I think they also have to be multifaceted based on the learning needs of the students. What I mean by that is a part of it may be written. A part of, I mean, let's, if we want to talk about getting them career and college ready, how about part of it is a, I don't know, a PowerPoint presentation. Another part of it is, Public you speaking. speaking on the right. camera, like <laughs> let's let's really have like assessments that sp- speak to all of these needs, and have them creating projects. And we did some wonderful ones at my school, um, some projects that really connect to their communities. Exactly. Not just like Pass a, a, B, C, or D right. on the screen. And all right, that's it. Let's keep going to something next. We're going to have a very short break. We can come back. James and Hank, you have the first next two callers up, uh, 410-319-8888. I'll check the Twitter feed. Uh, Bubby, I saw you called in again. Once hung up. If you call back, we'll get you on the air, 410-319-8888. Join us as we talk with two of our Baltimore City school teachers. Joining us, again, joining us in studio, Albert Phillips and Samantha Cleese. Don't go away. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back, folks. This is Mark Steiner. We're having uh, the first, well, I hope, a number of these roundtables with our Baltimore City and Baltimore County and county teachers as well during this, during this break to have dialogue between teachers and with our community about the future of our children. We are here with Samantha Scalise, who is a teacher at Digital Harbor High, where she teaches government and world history. Albert Phillips is a teacher at Southwest Baltimore Charter School, where he teaches the fifth grade. And you all are 410-319-8888. Write to us here by email. Talk at SteinerShow.org. Tweet us at Mark Steiner. And join Dave Miller, and we usually get lots of tweets. Tweet us at, at Mark Steiner. Let's go right to the phones. And James, you're on the air. Welcome. Uh, good morning, Mark. Good morning, James. Hey, look, Mark, first of all, I'd like to say thank you for everything you've done, man. I'm going to miss you. Thank you. Appreciate that. And my thing is, like, so, and I have a fifth grader that's in school, so I know what the teachers are saying. But I find out I'm a single dad. And I've been raising her ever since she was come out. So, but I find out over the years with school, she can read as good as me and you. But then she's not comprehending, and I think most kids have that problem. They don't comprehend what they read. You know, you have to go over something over and over. And then I find out it is the curriculum. You know, some of the things she bring home from school, I can't even believe that they're still. Using that, I mean, why are you in the fourth grade still bringing home three plus three and two plus two, and why are you getting projects that last ten days and two weeks instead of bringing home regular homework every day? But I do find that even from the other kids, they're not comprehending what they're reading, so the schools are marking them down. Well, you can't read. They can read. They're just not comprehending. So why isn't there a class on comprehension? teaching kids how to understand, say, well, okay, we just read this. Now, raise your hand. Uh, what was this just talking about? I guarantee you, won't nobody raise their hand because they didn't comprehend it at the time. So there should be some comprehension classes. That's Thanks a lot, Mark. Thank you, James. What, what, are, your, what are your responses to that? Well, we start with a fifth-grade teacher. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, <clears throat> I think teachers definitely should incorporate um, strategies where they can test the comprehension of the students. That's what good teachers do naturally. Um, as far as reading, I always tell students that, or even parents that ask me sometimes, you know, well, my, my child, he just read 10 pages in the book. He read it fine, but I asked him what it was about. He couldn't tell me really. Um, sometimes you have to break it into smaller chunks um, and have them read like maybe a page, two pages. Um, I know sometimes I could <laughs> I could just be reading something right and, and and not fully get it that first time. So it's good to go over it over and over again to make sure that you get it. Um, so that's that's an important strategy. If you if you're reading something just for fluency, just because you know the words, then that's not enough. But you should take your time when you're trying to comprehend. Yeah, I mean, at at a twelfth grade level, we work on comprehension on a daily basis. But the problem becomes, I have a class of thirty. Twenty five percent of my kids have an IEP, meaning their special education. Um, another 20% are ESOL students. To differ- is a second language. Yes, exactly. To differentiate from a second grade level to a post-high school level, is it's infuriating. It's impossible to differentiate for each of these kids. And they've pushed away from, they call it tracking, where they would have all the high students in a group they would have all the middle students in a group and they would have all of the lower level students in a group. And they pushed away from that, but it's made our jobs almost impossible. I can't create seven different lessons within a lesson on a daily basis. I, w- I wouldn't, I would burn out. There, it's just impossible. 
So, Hank, we're coming to your call, and folks, 410-319-8888. When, Pete, when the last caller, James, talked about comprehension, one of the things that struck me about that, and some of the students I've talked to, not all students, but a lot of students I've talked to, <coughs> pardon me, in the city school system, is that we don't teach kids how to think critically yeah. or read critically. Or problem solve. So how do you do that? You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, it seems to me that the, the, a lot of young kids, a lot of kids in our school system, have real difficulty expressing themselves, mm -hmm. expressing their feelings and ideas, other than the very limited vocabulary. So where does that come from? And what 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 would, what what do you as teachers, what a why is that, is that a problem? And B, what can you do to change it? And what's are, are you being stopped from addressing that in some way? No. <clears throat> well, what I find is that sometimes it's difficult in the amount of time that you have in a period to do all of what you want to do at times. So as as far as students expressing themselves, though, I think that you have to. Um, help them get familiar with new and different words. Um, so you have to be incorporating a thesaurus some kind of way. Or you have to, in, in not just introducing the word, but trying to get them to relate that word um, to their lives, to their experiences, because in that way they start to retain the information more. And even when, if they're doing like a presentation or something, um, allowing them to do it in a way that's authentic to them. Yep. So I might not be the best writer, Right. I know that's something that I'm going to improve in. We're going to work on. But look, I want to do a, I want to do a, a speaking presentation for this final project or I'm not the best speaker. I know I want to improve in that. I'm going to get better. But for this project, let me write it out. Um, let me do a trifold presentation, you know, something like that, just to give them the ability to pick how they want to present the material. But then also bringing in bringing in people <coughs> in the community that are good public speakers, um, allowing them. She, she mentioned D. Watkins earlier, who is a legendary wordsmith in the city. Allow him to come in and talk about how he put his different words together in order to create these beautiful, you know, uh, tantalizing stories. Like how how are we utilizing the people around us in the classroom? Because teachers can't do it all. Like I'm not a master at everything, but I know people who have skills and abilities that can help make my classroom better. Samantha? Um, we try to do, and I love doing this, Socratic seminars where, so for an example, um, we were teaching Machiavelli and I found articles where the kids had to talk about Machiavelli's leadership style and Trump's leadership style <laughs> and, and talk about, you know, is that an effective leadership style? Is it working? And we do a Socratic seminar where they have to like read and there's comprehension questions, questions leading up to the Socratic seminar. You know, we circle up and the kids talk about their thoughts. And that not only are they comprehending there, but they're also getting to, to speak about their own opinions and, and verbalize how they feel. And we do that um, in digital. We also have a restorative practice where every Wednesday um, during third period, we will circle up with the kids and bring up a topic and we'll just hear from them. You know, we'll go around the room and let them speak their piece. And it's important to give these kids a voice. These kids are vocal. They want to speak. Mm -hmm. Sitting in a chair for 90 minutes is not going to work. It's just not. So there has to be different ways that they can, you know, they can engage. And you have to differentiate it. Like he said, you know, whether it's a PowerPoint presentation, give them options. Folks, join us here at 410-319-8888. Let's engage with our teachers. You just heard Samantha Scalise. She teaches government and uh, history, world history at Digital Harbor High. Albert Phillips, who teaches the fifth grade at Southwest Baltimore Charter School. And you all, 410-319-8888. Hank, you're on the air. Welcome. 
Hey, Hank, well, how are you? <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to reverse back to what I was talking about earlier, right? Now, here's the deal. My father worked down Maryland Dry Dock as a painter. My grandfather worked down Maryland Dry Dock as a welder, right? My other grandfather worked down Bethlehem Steel as a steel pour, right? Now, I didn't go to get to see them do their jobs, but I got to see what they did. They took me and showed me, right? Now, while they were taking me and showing me, my grandmother would take me up to Towson when she was a cook and also when she was a hairdresser at, right? So these these were things that I would learn and see how they correspond and reacted, right? Now, my other grandmother was always reading, and that's the reason why my mother is always on me about my enunciation and my vocabulary, right? Now, <laughs> I get to, to say this, right? I was so far advanced in school, right, that school bored me. Right? So I acted out and I lashed out for only for my mother and them to take me down to John Hopkins. For me to be clinically classified as borderline genius, right? And here's the thing the school is there to reaffirm what. I am there to be. If I am constantly saying I'm a bad, my, my wife is constantly saying I'm, she's a bad bee, then that's what my daughter is subjected to. If I'm constantly calling my woman a bee, then that's what my daughter is subjected to. If I call my daughter a god, then if I call my wife a goddess, right, then that's what my son is emulating because he's seeing what I'm feeding him. If I change my vernacular, his vernacular changes, right? So as opposed to when somebody gets their first real charge, we automatically start throwing them away. We should try to change them and build them off to something more positive, more enlightening, more guidance. When I was coming up, we had little infomercials and commercials which showed us how to formulate and think on TV. They're not doing that, okay. right? And therefore, we, 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 are, we are constantly been doing what they have been trying to do since the 1950s, right? So, Hank, the school system because they want to build the prison to pipeline from the school system. So let me let our teachers kind of comment on what they just heard you say. Um, Samantha. I think community members need to step up, right? Those real-world experiences are so important. You own a business in the community, Take a day and come on over to the high school and talk to these kids, you know, offer them internships, get get them in, involved. We it, again, it takes a village, right? It can't just be the teachers or the administrators. You know, it, it, parents, we we got to show up. Right. I give you I call you and I want to have a conversation. Um, don't hang up on me. Um actually pick up the phone <laughs> be engaged with us We're, we want to talk to you come to parent teacher conferences come up to the school it can't just sometimes it feels like t we teach in a vacuum and sometimes it feels like the everything is on us and we can't take it from all sides we can't take it from the kids we can't take it from the administrators and the teacher or and um the parents because it it makes people not want to teach anymore so many i have no model teachers right they're they're making 90 grand a year that are almost they're just they, they don't want to do it anymore they're willing to go to another school district or quit teaching altogether, making that much money because of the current situation that we're in. That's not acceptable. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was dope that he said that he was uh, clinically <laughs> borderline cl classified yeah. as a genius. <laughs> I mean, I thought that was pretty amazing. But um, in his story, I heard him describe him being exposed to different things. 
I think he said somebody was working at a steel factory. Somebody else was a cook. Yeah. Um, dry dock. Right. right. So he had different experiences and exposure. And I think that's a huge thing that our students need because just like I said earlier, if if on the TV screen I'm emulating this athlete or this rapper and that's all I know, then that's all I'm going to want to become um, in a lot of instances. So we need to give them exposure. We need to bring in people into the school system. But we also have to understand that learning takes place outside of the building, too. So sometimes we have to take them to different places in order for them to see different things. Um, early this school year, um, my students in my uh, social studies class were working on writing letters to the Baltimore City Police Department. Um, kind of describing their take on police brutality, what are some ideas they have to eliminate and reduce it. So I brought in um, Adam Jackson from Leaders of a Beautiful Struggle because I know that's something that they were working on. Um, and we also made sure that we included other people who cared about these issues and that were knowledgeable, right? I don't know everything. It's like I said earlier. And I always tell them, like, I'm not the only teacher in here. Y'all are teachers as well. So when we do these turning talks and we have these class discussions, I have to hear your voices. Your friends have to hear your voices. The same way you can laugh and joke with them. When when it's class time and you have something important to say, you can't shy away from that because you're so brilliant, brilliant and we need that. And that's what makes a class more cohesive. So I really appreciate what that caller had to say. Yeah. Let's hit the phones again. 410-319-8888. Edwards, you're on the air. Yeah, Mark, how are you this morning? Very well. Good morning. Thank you. Look, Mark, the teachers really try their best to help these kids. But what we have to look at, Mark, and this is something I found out a lot of our um, educators don't do, you have to look back at the system. Who is in charge of the educational system? Who is in charge of writing the textbooks? And the people who is in charge of these things, the system designed to make your kids fail. And what we have to do as a people, and and, and I want you to let you know, Mark, I'm a historian also. What we have to do, Mark, We're going to have to get our kids at home and school our kids. It's the same conversation what y'all are speaking about this morning is going to keep repeating itself over and over and over and over because the system designed to suppress people of color. And I'm a historian. I've been studying this system from since the 5th century come all the way up. I've been studying and that's how the system designed is to keep people of color down. And we need to take our school, look our children out of school, and teach them. Look at the Jews. They are the one who is responsible for the educational system. The and Jews? Many of you don't want to say it, <laughs> I am saying it. They uh, are the one responsible for the educational well, system. I, you know, I, you I, see I, it? I, I hear you. I think that's a lot of bunk. I mean, there's no one group that's in charge of our school system. Um, not Jews, not Muslims, not anybody else. But I mean, I think our school systems um, have not been designed to take care of our children and help them move ahead and build a world for themselves. That I think is true. We're still we we don't 
we have not figured out how to create a, a model for public school education that really works for our kids. You can pick individual schools out in the city, around the country, that actually work. You can look at the um, massive uh, private school network in, 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 in the Baltimore metropolitan area that clearly know how to teach kids um, and design systems that teach kids. And parents of means have the ability to choose which school fits their child the best, whether it's Park School or Gilman mm-hmm. or Bryn Mawr or whatever that school might be. I mean, that we, the, the, I mean, the reality is in front of us, but can we take hold of any of that to create a system that actually works? So I, I have a friend whose son goes to Gilman, and she's showing me, like, the course catalog. He was a middle schooler. They start coding in sixth grade as a course at Gilman. Why aren't we doing that? We can do it. We have the means to do it. Let's get a coding teacher. Like, why aren't we doing those things? It can be done. I don't understand. They're teaching sixth graders at Gilman how to code. Yes. We need to be doing that. Our kids don't even know what a keyboard. Like, I have 11th, 12th graders who are going to college. And I'm like, hey, guys, just so you know, there's this website you can practice keyboarding on. Like, they can't even type right. How are they going to sit in a lecture room and, and type an essay if they're hunting and pecking still? We don't teach typing anymore? No, we don't. Nope. Nope. I'm not kidding. We do not teach typing anymore. I mean, that was, I, I remember Miss Barnes in junior high school, my my eighth grade typing teacher at Garrison Junior High School. I didn't like her. She didn't like me very much either. But when I walked out of that class, I know how to type. It was a graduation requirement in Michigan I where I type. grew up. Yeah. Hey, I, I still don't know how to type properly. I, I know how to type quickly, but it's not the Because you weren't taught how to type. Right. You know, I had a I had a class. But it I, I was in there and it didn't feel comfortable for me, so I did it my own way. But uh back to your question of if if the system is ever gonna get to where we envision it to be. Um optimistically thinking, sure I wanna say yes, but I really don't know, clearly. I I haven't seen a point in the history of this country where everybody was treated fairly, where everybody got what they deserved, I haven't seen it. And I don't know if I ever will see it. But I do think that we should keep fighting to make people do what they said they were going to do. Um, I think that people should, people in the city who have great influence should use that influence to help us create power. Um, I think, just like she said earlier, we have... Um, some good people on the council who, you know, hopefully they continue to do what they do. And that's from that perspective. But I think from the opposite perspective, or I guess in addition, is to us creating our own programs. Um, we need more schools like Insaroma Academy, um, completely independent, teaching kids how to do mindfulness and yoga and martial arts, and they're eating healthy meals and they're learning drumming, but they're also learning the stuff that they are supposed to, to 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 learn in order to graduate from whatever grade they're in. So we need schools like that. We need um, we need programs that are teaching our students about law and how can we use that to our favor. Um, we need programs that are teaching how our students and our families how to be more self sufficient. Um, how do we grow food? How do we uh, how do we establish our cities and our communities in a way where, look, littering is just not something that we're going to do here. It's just naturally. It's not even like a thought. But 
I think that takes time, and I think it. I think people are doing some great work, and more people need to get on board. See if we can get a couple quick calls in here before we have to jump into our next segment. John, you're on the air. Welcome. Oh, good, good afternoon. Oh, good morning. Good morning. I didn't think I was going to get on. Um, I don't know whether anyone has talked about uh, how music in the schools benefits children uh, uh, more than you can imagine. Uh, in, in Baltimore City, now I used to teach in Baltimore City, but in Baltimore City, we have a problem in that a lot of schools do not have band programs, do not have have um, choral programs. Right. And, and we got to understand that music training is associated with improved knowledge and reading, reading mm-hmm. skills. You know, children taught rhythmic activities and uh, singing become better readers. So, uh, so John... I'm sorry to interrupt. I didn't realize we were up against the clock here, and I wish you had brought that conversation earlier. But we should talk about that in length in our in our in our program. The, the private schools in the city all have music programs mm-hmm. from the kindergarten to the twelfth grade. And like, they're not in jeopardy every year either. And they're not in jeopardy. <laughs> right. Do either one of your schools have music programs? We do not. Um, my my school we have dance, but I think they're getting they're getting rid of either a dance teacher or art teacher, but those some of those classes are in jeopardy. We're the third largest high school in the school district, and we don't have a band. The third largest high school in Baltimore doesn't have a band, which yes. means you don't have music teachers in music courses. We have a one music teacher. Who, one music teacher. Yep, yeah, but Third largest school, one music teacher. Yes, and it's computer-based um, like music creation, so digital music. John, I appreciate that last question. It spurred me on to think about a show we need to put together here. And I want to thank our teachers for the work they do with our children and for coming in today. Samantha Scalise, government and world history teacher at Digital Harbor High. Albert Phillips, fifth grade teacher at Southwest Baltimore Charter School. Good to have you both here. Good to see you back in the house yeah. from being our intern here many years back here at WEA. Good to meet you, Samantha. Thanks for having me. From caller to guest, good to have yes. you here. <laughs> and we're going to take a short break and come back. It's time to take a look at what's happening in the city paper.